Good morning, loved ones. I'm so happy that we have this time together, and I pray that wherever you are today, that this time studying God's Word will just be a blessing to you. Let's open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into our text for today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for this time that we can come together in your presence, Lord, and just study your holy word. Father, I pray that you will give us ears that are ready to hear and hearts that are ready to act upon your word. And Father, Lord, I pray that you will just empower us, Lord, that you will just increase our understanding and our belief so that we might follow you more faithfully and more obediently. It's in your name that we pray, Father. Amen. And so today, loved ones, we are going to be learning from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And in this passage, we see Jesus's final closing illustration here in the Sermon on the Mount. And in the previous weeks, we have looked at each of Jesus's illustration in a lot of great detail. And we've studied how each of these examples highlights the importance of listening to and obeying Jesus's words and how these are the hallmark of true discipleship. We've looked at the tale of the two paths and the two gates. We looked at the tale of the good fruit and the bad fruit. We've looked at the tale of the pretenders who cry out, Lord, Lord. And finally today, we will, we will conclude with the tale of the two builders. And in this passage, we are going to hear Jesus repeat many of the same things and the same themes that he has told us already in these concluding verses. And this repetition is very intentional. He is trying to ingrain in our minds the importance of hearing and doing what he tells us to do. And nowhere in the Sermon on the Mount does Jesus make this point more clearly than he does here in these verses, in verses 24 through 27. And so today, as we unpack this passage, I want us to focus in on three very important things about Jesus's words. First of all, I want us to see that Jesus's words are God's words. Secondly, I want us to see that obeying Jesus's words provides us with a firm foundation. And lastly, I want us to see that ignoring Jesus's words leads to destruction. And so with that, let us dive into God's word and let's look at Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. And it says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against the house, but the house did not collapse because its foundation had been laid on rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the flood came, and the winds beat against the house, and it collapsed, and it was utterly destroyed. And so now again, we must remember that everything Jesus tells us here is building right off of all the things that he has told us in previous passages. Everything flows together and everything goes together. And we see that really come through here in this passage. And we see it come through the most at the beginning of Jesus's statement in verse 24, where he starts off by saying, therefore. 
Now, when it comes to our Bibles, anytime anyone says therefore, it means that they are referring back to everything they've previously told us, and they are now telling us what to do with that information. And so here we see Jesus basically saying, in light of everything I've just told you, in light of everything that I've said to you about the two paths, the two gates, the false teachers, the good and the bad fruit, in light of all of that, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his, who built his house on rock. Now, just for a moment, I want us to focus only in on the first part of this statement. I want us to only look at the portion where Jesus says, everyone who does these words of mine. And when we read this in the context and in the light of everything that Jesus has been telling us, we should see that this is a very powerful statement. So let's follow these breadcrumbs and let's see what Jesus is really saying to us. Let's see the theme, the thought that Jesus has been uh, laying for us all through this sermon. Way back in chapter 5, we saw where Jesus told us that he came not to destroy the scriptures, not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And later on, we saw where Jesus told us that his teachings are the essence of the scriptures. And we've also seen where Jesus has told us that he is the gatekeeper of the kingdom and that he is the good judge. And we also saw with that, that many people will cry out to Jesus and call him Lord, Lord, showing us that he is God. And so here we see that Jesus is building up to a climax here in the Sermon on the Mount. He is bringing everything to a head. And here in this very crucial moment, Jesus tells us, in light of all of this, the person who hears and does my words, they will be built on a rock. They will be uh, protected. They will have stability. They will have nothing to fear. And this is incredible in itself because, again, we see that Jesus is further revealing for us his identity. He is telling us that he is, in fact, God. But there is something else at play here that further reinforces this idea that Jesus is God. But in order for us to understand this, we have to go back to verse 21 and we have to look and see what Jesus says there. And if you remember in verse 21 of chapter 7, Jesus says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now there, Jesus makes it very clear to us that not everybody who cries out to him will enter into the kingdom. Only those who do the will of his Father, only those who do the will of God will survive the judgment day and will enter into the kingdom. But here in verse 24, Jesus tells us, that everyone who hears and does his words, everyone who listens to and obeys what he has taught them, they will have security. They will have a firm foundation. They will survive the storms of the judgment day and they will enter into the kingdom as well. And I really want us to see what Jesus is doing here. He is telling us that his words, his commands, his instructions, Doing those are the same as doing the will of God.
Listening to and obeying Jesus is the same as doing the will of his Father in heaven. Jesus' words and our obedience to them are the rock that provides stability to us. And this should make sense to us because Jesus has just been revealing to us that he is God. He is not just some good teacher. He is not just a rabbi. He is not just some moral leader. In fact, Jesus is letting us know that he is the God of heaven and earth. He is the creator. He is God himself. And the entire purpose of the Sermon on the Mount has been to teach us how to do his will, how we are to live as his people, how we are to worship and obey him in everything we do. And here we see definitively that Jesus' words are God's words and that Jesus' words reveal clearly to us what God's will is. And just as plainly as Jesus told us that the only way to enter the kingdom is to do, is to obey his words and to do his will, Jesus is reminding us that he also has every right to set the standard for who gets into the kingdom. After all, we have to remember that Jesus is the king. He is the one who will establish the kingdom. He is the one who will rule justly over the kingdom. And he is the one who sets the tone by which his subjects must live by. But if all of this is true, and we as believers in Christ do believe that to be true, but in light of all of this, we have to ask ourselves a very simple question. Are we doing what Jesus has commanded us to do? Now remember, he could not have made it more clear to us that the only way into the kingdom is to obey him and to have a relationship with him. So are we doing just that? Are we worshiping and obeying Jesus in every aspect and in every area of our lives? And are we living out his will and displaying our love for him through our, our obedience to him? Or are we just trying to skate by in this world on our good works and our going through the motions and our showing up just to be seen every Sunday at church? Are we listening to and doing these words of Jesus's or are we just pretending to be? Now let's move on to the rest of 24 and look at verse 25 as well. And let's look at this picture of security that Jesus paints for us of those who listen to him and do his will. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who builds his house on the rock. Then when the rain comes and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, the house will not collapse because it has been laid on rock. And there's a lot going on here. And for us to fully understand and appreciate it, we again have to remember the context clues that Jesus gives to us. And here, the way that Matthew writes this example for us, we see that Jesus is speaking in the future tense. He says literally that those who listen and obey me will be like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. 
So Jesus is speaking of a time and a place in the future that is yet to happen. And we know just based on previous passages that we've looked at that Jesus is once more referring to the judgment day, what we might call the day of the Lord. And we know that Jesus is speaking of the day of the Lord because of this storm imagery that he uses for us. We might make the mistake of looking at this and thinking that these storms are just the inevitable storms of life, but that's not entirely what's going on here. As a matter of fact, if we were to look back at the Old Testament, we would see that this storm image is often associated with the judgment day, with the day of the Lord. More often than not, that day is depicted as a cataclysmic storm. And with that, Everything that Jesus says in these two verses is loaded with Old Testament significance. We see this day of the Lord illustrated for us beautifully in the uh, prophets. In Isaiah chapter 28, it says this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation, and the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. But hail will sweep away your refuge, and water will overflow your hiding place, and your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand." We see it also again in Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 10 through 16. And this is a very powerful passage. And there, uh, God says through the prophet Ezekiel, he says this, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, In my wrath I will unleash a violent wind, and in anger hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. I will tear down the wall you have covered with whitewash and will level it to the ground so its foundation will be laid bare. And when it falls, you will be destroyed in it, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I will pour out my wrath against the wall and against those who covered it with whitewash, and I will say to you, the wall is gone. And so are those who whitewashed it. Those prophets of Israel who prophesied to Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Lord. And so there we see this idea of God's judgment, the day of the Lord, being illustrated through a hugely intense, powerful storm. But just as dire and as horrible as the day of the Lord sounds, we see that God also gives hope to those who are faithful to him. And this hope is often demonstrated to us as being set securely on a rock, just as Jesus shows us here in this passage. And in Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5, this is what David writes. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him and his temple. For in the day of trouble, the day of the Lord, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the, shade, uh, in the shelter of his sacred tent, and he will set me high upon a 
a rock. So again, this idea of someone being secure, firmly fixed, and enduring the storm of the day of the Lord by being planted on a rock. Again, this is deeply Old Testament stuff. This is things that Jesus's listeners would have recognized instantly. And they also would have recognized Jesus's reference to wisdom. Uh, many of the things that is written in the Proverbs of Solomon, they are mirrored here in Jesus's words. For example, in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, it says this, My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament of grace to your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side and will keep your foot from being snared. Throughout the Old Testament, we see again and again and again this idea that those who listen to and obey God's words, those who accept God's wisdom, they have nothing to fear in this life or in the world to come. They have every confidence that God will protect them. And all of this stands to show us that what Jesus is telling us here in Matthew 7, this is nothing new. This is the same message that he, that God, has been telling us since the very beginning. Obey me and you will live. Disobey me and you will die. And so, loved ones, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we obeying Jesus? Are we building our houses on the firm and unshakable foundation of Christ? Are we listening to and doing his words? Are we doing these things? Because as we're going to see in just a moment, anything other than listening to and obeying Jesus is a recipe for sure disaster. And I'm sure that we would really prefer for this passage to end here at the end of verse 25 with Jesus's affirmation and his promise of hope and security to those who obey him. But because Jesus is the embodiment of truth, he can't just tell us half of the picture. Jesus has to show us the whole thing so that we understand exactly what is at stake. And in verses 26 and 27, we see what awaits those who ignore Jesus's words. And it is a grim picture that Jesus paints. Jesus tells us that those who ignore his words will be like the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And though this is a simple statement, there is so much that Jesus is saying here. We see here that the word for foolish in the Greek is the word moros. And it can mean foolish in the sense of like being a moron, but there's a deeper level to it as well. This word moros also refers to a person who is godless, who is pagan, who is a non-believer. And this godless moron, to use Jesus's words, instead of obeying Jesus's commands, instead of obeying them and building their house on the rock-solid foundation of Christ, the godless moron instead builds their house on the ever-shifting, ever-changing, fragile sand. 
And Jesus goes on to tell us that the same storm, the same fury, the same day of the Lord is going to come for this person just as it does for the wise person. But the fool faces a far different fate than the wise man. Where the wise man has the promise and the hope of God's protection, the fool has to face the full wrath of God's judgment. Jesus tells us that the rains will fall and the floods will come and the winds will beat against the house and it will collapse and its demise will be great. We're told that the fool's house collapses. Jesus says specifically that it collapses with a great crash. And what is implied there is tragic because what Jesus is telling us is this, that everyone who is in that house Everyone who is in there, along with the fool, they all die in this collapse. They do not survive the day of judgment. They do not survive the storm of the day of the Lord. They are all cast through that wide gate that leads to utter and complete destruction because they rejected the words of life. They rejected and refused to obey the words of Jesus and the words of God. And just as we saw a moment ago with what Jesus tells us about the wise man, what Jesus says here about the fool is nothing new. He's been telling us this since the beginning as well. And I think Solomon says it best in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25, where Solomon writes this. When the storm passes through, the wicked are swept away, but the righteous stand firm forever. When the storm passes through, the wicked are swept away, but the righteous stand firm forever. And loved ones, Jesus has made all of this so very clear for us. We have but two choices. We can listen to his words and obey him and have the promise and the assurance of surviving the day of judgment and entering into his kingdom, or we can foolishly and moronically ignore his words and try to skate through this life and try to escape the day of judgment based purely on our own good works and our own goodness. But loved ones, be warned that those things, our works and our goodness, they are just as useless as a foundation of sand in the face of God's judgment. We have but two choices. We can listen and obey and live, or we can disregard, disobey, and die. And don't be angry at me for making it this black and white, because Jesus is the one who is drawing this line in the sand. He is the one who is letting us know there are only two choices. The question is, what is our response? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this teaching of Christ. And Lord, we do pray that you will give us hearts that are ready and willing to obey everything that Jesus demands of us, to, to, to do and obey everything, Lord, that you demand of us. Father, search our hearts. Help us to see where we are disobeying. Help us to see where we are going in our own strength and where we are doing things according to our will and not yours. Father, reprove us of that. 
Rebuke us for that, Lord, in your loving correction. Show us where we are wrong and guide us back to your path, Lord. Lord, we thank you so much for this teaching. Help us to live it out. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.